Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome to another episode of the Thought Leadership Project podcast. I'm Jay Harrington. My co-host Tom Nixon is with me. Hi, Tom. Hey, Jay. How are you doing? Doing pretty well today. Uh, we uh, we have a first, I believe, on the show, which is our first general counsel uh, in-house lawyer that has joined us for the podcast. So I'm excited about that. It'll be nice to have a, a different perspective on the show other than us consultants and in-house lawyer, or sorry, practice, private practice lawyer. So yeah, that'll be that'll be an interesting uh, conversation, I think. Yeah, and I think there's a corollary in in my own world. I've never been an attorney, <clears throat> um, but. I've been an agency life. I think my entire career, I don't think I've ever been in-house as a marketing person. I've always wondered what it's like on the other, as they say, the other side of the aisle. I mean, there's got to be some differences. There's got to be some benefits. Maybe there's drawbacks. I don't know, but it'll be interesting to hear, uh, you know, our guest's perspective today. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's introduce our guest. Uh, Lisa Lang is joining us today. Lisa currently serves as the general counsel for Kentucky State University, She's the creator of the LinkedIn series, Why This, Not That, and that'll be something we'll talk about today. Um, it's an in-house lawyer-focused series that she does on LinkedIn, and she has also co-authored an anthology called Hashtag Networked, How 20 Women Lawyers Overcame the Business, or sorry, the Confines of COVID-19 Social Distancing to Create Connections, Cultivate Community, and Build Businesses in the Midst of a Global Pandemic. That book is on sale now on Amazon, and we we spoke to Trisha Baxter about uh, her role in that book as well in a, in a previous episode. Lisa first worked in the office of the Attorney General as an Assistant Attorney General, and then for the Kentucky, uh, the state of Kentucky. So Lisa, welcome to the show. We're really pleased to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me to participate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. I wanted to start just to maybe add a little bit to your background, um, and and I wanted to ask you uh, one question in particular. Um, but maybe you can fill in any gaps in in your background uh, other than the the information I shared in your bio. And also, I'd be interested to hear from you. Um, what are a couple things that you really enjoy about being a lawyer? Um, okay, so uh, to fill in uh, my background a little bit, um, what you've outlined has probably um, been about the last 12 years of my career. Um, the beginning of my uh, career started um, in the military. I was a legal specialist. And then um, after I left the military, I went to law school during the day, I'm sorry, at night. And then during the day, I worked as an associate for um, probably a mid-sized law firm in Louisville, Kentucky. So um, I did those things prior to going um, to state government, um, which is what led me in-house. Um, so, and then to your sec, what was your second question? I just was interested to hear a couple things. You know, we don't often talk, there's a lot of, you know, grumbling about the prof- legal profession. Um, less often do we discuss what, what people really like about their jobs as a lawyer. Um, so maybe I just was interested in your perspective, maybe a couple things, couple aspects of your, of your job that you really enjoy, I think just to give maybe some of the young lawyers out there uh, a sense of what you might expect and, and what you can aim for in terms of some of the enjoyable parts of the job. And you know, and I think the unfortunate thing that I've noticed is that it feels like when you're in law school, it almost seems like they give you three separate paths. You either go and become a prosecutor, you become a public defender, or you go um, to big law and you're an associate. Uh, 
Um, and there are so many other things that you can do in the law. And I think I probably did not enjoy the work that I do um, to the level that I do now until I started working in-house. And I think the reason I like being an in-house lawyer as much as I do is because it's the intersection of business and law. And I really enjoy working um, with my business partners um, at uh, the organization for which I work and um, helping to solve problems. And, um, you know, um, having to operate a university in the midst of a global pandemic really gave us an opportunity to um, work well together. And, you know, what was so exciting for me is to initially feel that apprehension about, can we really do this? And then find out, yeah, we really can. Um, it's been hard, it's been tough, but um, at the end of the day, I really feel good about what we've been able to accomplish. Yeah, I think that certainly this is has to be a period where many lawyers feel like their skill set has really been drawn upon for you know a, a, a high purpose, a something significant in terms of helping clients or you know internal clients or the organization you work for really navigate some challenging issues. I mean that's always the job of a lawyer, but right now it's been you know I think the 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 position of of legal advisor has been one that has been one of of great purpose and significance uh, over the last nine months. So that's one silver lining, I guess we can all draw upon. Um, now, shifting a little bit to, uh, you know, kind of the topic at hand that, that we like to discuss on our podcast, um, issues of thought leadership. And also, you know, one of the purposes of thought leadership is personal branding. And I know that's an issue that you deal with, for example, on LinkedIn. Um, and I wanted to tee that up and just get your some perspective from you about this issue of personal branding from your perspective as a general counsel. And I wanna start and, and kind of preview that by reading something uh, that you posted on LinkedIn. Um, and this is in your Why This, Not That series. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that in a moment, but let me just read this one excerpt, which is do this, invest your time, energy, and resources in personal branding. And then you write, not that. Do nothing and expect your professional accomplishments to speak for themselves. So from your perspective, um, speaking to someone who may be wanting to go in-house someday or someone who is, is in-house and is looking to establish themselves and establish their personal brand, why is personal branding important? And maybe just talk a little bit about how content creation fits into that. Well, I, I think that for me, personal brand um, is, is very analogous to reputation. And I think that it doesn't matter what you do, your reputation is important. And um, when you're a lawyer, you have to develop um, trust in those people that you are working with or those people you um, deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And so I think that um, developing that brand helps people understand who you are and it makes it easier to deal with you, um, you know, with your internal partners within the university and even with the external partners. And that's something that I have really learned with COVID is that um, there were a lot of challenges that we had to work together with internal partners and external partners. And when you start working on that branding, um, it, it, it really, um, when you have that confidence in your abilities um, and then you show that confidence and then people um, begin to trust you, it really makes the work so much easier. 
Does anything, Lisa, change when you go from being, you know, an attorney at a firm and you just referenced how important it is to still maintain that personal brand, which you're in-house somewhere. Does anything change in your mind in terms of how much content or how to create content or is it important? Is it less important as you're kind of making that career shift? Did you find anything different in your own? Um, go ahead. Yeah. Part of the reason I started why this, not that um, is because um, I think that some people um, struggle to transition from being in um, an outside law firm and then coming in-house. And part of what I was trying to do on LinkedIn was to try and bridge what I felt was a miscommunication between the business community and the legal community. Because I think when you start um, at a law firm, especially in litigation, you kind of come at it from an adversarial us versus them perspective. And what you have to understand when you go in-house is you kind of have to leave that perspective in large part at the door because you're a, a strategic business partner. And so I think that it is really important in that distinction. And I had talked to a lot of business who were frustrated about that lack of understanding. So um, I think, you know, so as far as my personal brand, um, by posting what I'm posting about um, who I am as an in-house leader helps potentially other people um, that I work with. Or, you know, maybe if, if I decided I want to move on at some other time, um, business people, um, they would understand who I am and what my perspective is. And that helps me in making a transition if I ever wanted to make a transition. Right. And I was just going to say, one thing I try to remind people is you never know who's paying attention and when. And we, Jay and I get this all the time. We'll hear from somebody who said, you know, I've been listening to your podcast for a year and I'm now just reaching out to you for this. Or so. I, How would we have any idea, right? And so the same thing I think correlates to any kind of content online. And as you're, you're always building your brand, whether you're choosing to do so actively or not, and you never know what opportunity lies behind the next door. And for you to you like go through the transition you went through and then just say, well, now I'm at the destination, so I don't have to do anything anymore. That would be a mistake, wouldn't it? Oh, 100%. And, and part of the reason um, I, where I had this epiphany is up to this point in my career, um, I have gotten the jobs I've gotten in large part because of the reputation I've built and because of the people I know and the people who know what I do. And um, I work in the area of, of education. So as you know, when Jay was talking about my background, when I went to state government, every single job that I have had um, in um, within state government and then um, now with Kentucky State has to do with education. Education is a really niche area. And um, you know, I had thought about maybe wanting to do something more than what I am doing. Um, I enjoy thoroughly what I want, but now I'm thinking, you know, the, the you know, the, the sky's the limit. What if I want to do something else? And at this point in Kentucky, I feel like I've reached the top of where I can go. There's about eight regional universities in Kentucky, public um, universities. And unless somebody, God forbid, dies, you know, I, I don't see necessarily another place for me to go. So part of what I started thinking about is what if I wanted to do something outside of Kentucky, but what if I've not built my brand anywhere else 
other than within education in Kentucky. It's such a narrow area. And so this is a way that'll give me the opportunity to have maybe options in the future. And I'm not saying that I wanna go anywhere because I really do love the work that I do, but there is some degree of power in the knowledge that you're doing what you're doing by choice and there are options outside of the area in which you're currently working. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And one of the things, you know, as we think about this issue of building one's personal brand, I think that that involves a few steps, certainly um, having a point of view, translating that point of view into content, it, perhaps in various forms of content. It also involves having a platform. And what a platform is, is not only, uh, it's really a place to share those ideas in a, in, in a way such that other people will be able to engage and enroll in your ideas. So it seems like, Lisa, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, from observing your behavior in terms of your personal branding, um, LinkedIn is is your go-to place, uh, right? And you're, you share quite a bit of content there. You have a, a, a large and engaged network on the platform. Um, so I, I just wanted to transition to talk about LinkedIn specifically and how LinkedIn can be a tool or a platform that really anyone can leverage and utilize for personal branding. So talk, talk to us a little bit about your experience on LinkedIn and how that's been beneficial to building your personal brand. You know, it, it's so funny. Um, I've been connected with Patricia Baxter and, and she was on your, uh, your podcast recently. And honestly, um, until I listened to your podcast, I did not realize how her background and my background are almost identical in terms of our relationship with LinkedIn. Um, she and I both started in um, August of um, 2019, had been on LinkedIn since, you know, for, for about nine years. Yeah. As a place to park your resume, you didn't do anything else with it. And that is, uh, I started with the same, uh, probably the same small um, following that she had about, you know, 500 to 1000 people, um, people that I um, wasn't necessarily, um, you know, connected to in the outside world. And um, I started um, doing the, the, the posting. And, you know, the funny thing is, I would, I agree that LinkedIn an amazing place when you can build a following, but it is not always easy to get started. Um, when I started um, sending LinkedIn requests, connection requests to people who um, I felt like would be my target audience um, in-house, my connection requests were getting denied and I found myself in LinkedIn jail. And um, so it's taken time for me to build the, the following that I have. And so um, to anybody interested in doing this, um, it, it, it takes a little bit of time. I mean, when you think about it, um, I've been doing this now, um, you know, not, not, not a year. And so I guess in the whole scheme of things, it's not a long time, but we live in a world of instant gratification. And I think some people, if you jump on and then expect to be able to get instant results. That's not what this is about. It's truly about um, cultivating um, relationships and, and building over time. Just a quick clarification. When you say you were in LinkedIn jail, some of our listeners might want to know, uh-oh, what do I do to end up in LinkedIn jail? So was your account actually suspended? And if so, what triggered that? 
So I wouldn't say my account was suspended, but what happens is if you send too many connection requests and they don't accept them and they say, and they respond by saying, I don't know this person. Um, and then it makes it so that you can't send connection requests for a small period of time. Yeah. So, and I think part of the reason that happened for me um, as a lawyer and what I have found even over the last eight months is that as lawyers, we've been taught to be afraid of social media. And I'll be honest, I mean, I was one of those people, um, especially after being in private practice and um, I was in insurance defense work and you're always trolling people's social media accounts, looking for them to say or do things you can use against them in the cases that you are doing. And so I think that because I jumped right in and started sending um, connection requests to general counsels, um, I think they were taken aback and they're like, I don't know this woman. Why, why is she sending me connection requests? So um, yeah, that's, um, it wasn't as bad as getting your account suspended, but I did have a period where I couldn't send connection requests. So, so more like a timeout. Correct. Yeah, timeout. <laughs> yes. You were putting timeout. So I, yeah. I just wanted you to emphasize that point because there is a nuance yeah. to this. And no one who advocates, or I shouldn't say no one, at least us who advocate that people get really active on LinkedIn are not advocating that you become a spammer or, you know, it was one of these digital marketers that, you know, just constantly spray and pray. There's an art and nuance to it. Don't you agree, Jay? Yeah, I do. It, you definitely, I mean, there's, there's, there are moments to connect with people cold. You certainly want to do that, but yeah, be thoughtful about it. Oftentimes it's, you know, when I'm thinking about making new connections on LinkedIn, if, if I don't know the person, it's often someone who, you know, if perhaps they've liked or commented on one of my posts or also commented, commented on someone else's post where we're, you know, we're engaged in some sort of dialogue. So be thoughtful about it. Um, Lisa, maybe just uh, follow up though on, you know, you had kind of a slow start, like most of us do as we kind of baby step uh, into becoming more active on LinkedIn. So what changed? Uh, certainly, I, maybe you can talk a little bit about, we've referenced the uh, why this, not that series that you do, but, um, you know, in terms of just your approach, uh, when you finally maybe started observing what other people are doing, you you found your own voice. What are a couple of things that changed that allowed you to gain traction? Um, I would say it would be Claire Parsons and Trisha Baxter. So um, what happened with that is after I, I had that experience um, with, uh, with the connection requests, I really stopped sending connection requests. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to post what I'm going to post and people are going to like or not like what I post. And I kind of um, abandoned any worry about who it is I was following or who it was that was following me. And I would just post what I felt was good and useful com uh, content. And uh, Claire Parsons is uh, another attorney in Kentucky and she um, specializes in um, education. And as I said, it's, it's somewhat of a niche area. And she's actually the one who reached out to me. Um, and I think the reason she reached out to me was because she had posted an, uh, about an article she had written about her struggles as a lawyer um, with postpartum depression. And, um, and so she and I started engaging and um, a lot of my content when I started had more to do with education and more to do with my university because um, in large part, the reason I started was because it was a way to help support my university. But she was my gateway into this group um, of lady lawyers, um, Trisha Baxter. So um, 
it was because of my my connection with Claire, and then I connected with um, Trisha, and their content resonated with me, and so we started engaging with each other, and slowly over time, in January or February um, of 2020, um, we started picking up other people, and and we added them over time, and um, as a collective group, I feel like we we had a voice. And we were giving and lifting up each other with that voice. And is that group, Lisa, what eventually became the genesis of, should I call it hashtag networked? Do you pronounce the hashtag when you're speaking it? Yes. Hashtag network. Yes. So that yes. group eventually evolved into this, which then later developed into a book. Is that right? That's correct. And so the funny thing is, I am so grateful for um, having gotten connected with Claire and with Trisha in January or February, because we, we had already kind of started to come together and create that voice. Um, but when COVID happened um, in March, um, I, I it became more than a group um, that lifted each other up with content. Um, we had formed a chat on the side and we shared a lot of things that we were going through. Um, it was a dark and scary time. And so many of us um, that had connected were going through so many life altering things. Um, and so, yes, it was um, the beginning of that, of that group. And then at some point, um, probably in the summer, um, we had all, you know, talked about the fact that we couldn't have done what we did if it were not for the support we had for each other. And that was what gave life to the book. And Lisa, I, uh, I haven't had the opportunity to read the book yet. You guys all kind of wrote uh, individual chapters, correct? Kind of uh, related to your, your personal stories. Can you give us the Cliff Notes version of what did, what did you, how did you approach that, uh, your contribution to the book? Uh, do you want to share just a, a tidbit of what you wrote about? Well, I will give you the Cliff Note version because if you want to read the whole thing, you have to <laughs> read the book. Yep. And um, all proceeds go to charity, by the way. Um, so when I wrote my section of the book, what I focused on was my experience on, on a university campus. And um, I talked a lot. So there was that and also my experiences with networking and how I was a failure at networking. Um, so it was the combination of those two things that ended up giving me a whole new perspective on life. And it was the thing I think those, the, 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 those two events together are things that really gave me the wing, the wind beneath my wings. And I really feel like everything good that's happened to me um, happened because of those two things. You know, you know what strikes me, Jay and Lisa, because I, I heard Trisha kind of tell a similar tale. And it seems to me that what turned, if something turned, was your emphasis on authenticity. So it seems like rather than, you don't necessarily have to be a lawyer on LinkedIn, so much as I think you have to be a human and a person. And as you developed this bond with the other ladies that you mentioned, wasn't it more so about what you were going through in life as opposed to what was happening in the practice of law? And then naturally, a professional relationship follows from the personal one. But there's something to this idea of just being yourself and let the chips fall where they may. Is that accurate? Uh -huh. 
100% um, um, true. And, and it is the authenticity. And um, I, in, in my chapter, I do talk about, um, I don't know if other people, when they read the chapter and the post, but it was very raw for me. Um, because, um, you know, I'd gone on camp, I went on campus and it was like Armageddon. And um, because I was considered um, an essential employee. And even though our students were at home and learning online, we still had to keep all of the trains running, so to speak. And yeah, I mean, emotionally, it was just hard because I had kind of taken a lot of my energy and my motivation and my enthusiasm from seeing students on campus. It was about graduation. It was about homecoming. It was about the band practicing around the center of campus and all of that stuff disappeared. And so it had little to do with me as a lawyer and more to do with me trying to cope with these new surroundings. And I think that everybody in the book talked about it. Um, and I think Trisha's, uh, her focus was on what she had to do with staff and she had to be a leader and she had to support, but you know, you're, you're dealing with having to let people go. And, and those are all um, themes that resonate no matter what your profession. Well, thank you, Lisa. That was, uh, that, that was great. I thank you for all the, the insights you shared today. Um, really learned a lot. You know, it was nice to, again, I've, I've said this before to other guests, but it's always nice to connect with someone off, off of LinkedIn who, you know, we first maybe met on the platform. Um, so thanks again. Uh, I'm going to encourage all of our listeners to check out hashtag networked available on Amazon. Also to uh, check you out on LinkedIn, uh, follow or, or try to connect with you. Yeah, and, are you uh, accepting connection requests? I do accept connection. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, right, should, I should say that. Yeah, I'm going to put yeah. anybody in a timeout. Okay, that's good to know. Um, as long as they're not spamming you. But uh, Lisa, anywhere anywhere else you'd like to send people to to, to check something out or, or connect with you otherwise, other than check out your book and, and your LinkedIn profile? For now, that's it. But because of the professional branding I'm working on, I hope to have a website in March of 2021. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. uh, that will be something that we'll definitely check out and, and uh, look forward to seeing that. So, well, thanks again, uh, Lisa, for joining us. And thank you to our listeners as well. Um, and please come back next week. We'll have a fresh new episode ready. So thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.